I'm your host, Bradley Martin, and this is Clearing the Way, a resource for small business owners. Hello, humans. I'm your host, Bradley Martin, and this is Clearing the Way, a resource for small businesses. Uh, I talk with sales and HR experts, other small business owners, and anyone else that can provide you with information to clear your way to success. Uh, Today, we discuss B2B sales, uh, something that I know a lot of small business owners get uncomfortable with or don't like, uh, but obviously it is super important. So my guest today, Jeff Hancher, founder of Jeff Hancher Enterprises and host of the Champion Forum podcast. Uh, We talked um, in episode seven about Jeff's origin story and and all of those things. That's linked below. Uh, If you want to hear more about his past and his humble beginnings and life in corporate America, um, give that one a listen. But today we're going to tap into his expertise. So Jeff, Thanks for being a friend. Thanks for being back on Clearing the Way. Absolutely. I love what you're building with Clearing the Way. You know, uh, my wife and I, as you know, we've owned several small businesses here in Washington mm-hmm. County, uh, whether it was the donut shop or the gyro shop. And sometimes you just don't know what you don't know. And uh, I love providing any resources that I can. And I've learned a lot from the show as well. So thank you good. for putting out the content. Good. Well, thanks. Uh, thanks for being back on. This is going to be a good one. Um, this is one that I know I dislike um, or have disliked in the past. So uh, let's start uh, to to kind of kick it off a little bit. Are there any big mistakes that you see small businesses making in their sales or sales process or anything related to that? And then we'll kind of break everything down from there. But one big mistake that you're seeing or you have seen. Uh, Yeah. And I mean, primarily we work with a lot of small businesses and I spend a great portion of my waking life helping small businesses with their sales strategy and sales approach and sales training Um, and specific to B2B. And this isn't going to apply as much to a B2C environment. So let's keep that in mind as we talk through what this looks like. But I will tell you for small businesses that are in the business to business world, One of the biggest mistakes that I see that entrepreneurs are making that are trying to grow their top line, gain market share, gain prospects, is they do the inevitable show up and throw up. Um, (laughs) You know, I've kind of coined it that because I've been on plenty of sales calls trying to do my own discovery on where is their opportunity. What I've learned about this small business owner that is good is that they're very passionate about their product or service. They know they know about they're a product knowledge expert, so they know the ins and outs. So here's what inevitably happens is we go into this first meeting and the business owner, the small business owner that's on a quote unquote sales call starts throwing up product knowledge. And what we find very, very fast is that nobody's really wild with all your knowledge until they understand what your product or service can do for them and what it's going to do to help push their business forward. Meaning the bells and whistles are important, but they're critical if you can tie them into somebody's buying motive. And I think that's a huge miss. So do you think that that's happening or happens because of a, is it lack of preparation or just people that are starting those businesses don't understand sales or don't understand how to best. Yeah, I guess that's it. Like, is it one of those things or all of them or? 100%. (laughs) It is not, um, I don't care. Um, I'm going to go in there and be ruthless. 
you know, by and large, small business owners don't know what they don't know. Um, you know, there's not a great playbook. So thankful for resources like you and, and other things that are out there. But typically how a small business starts is there's this desire or there's, there's this unique product or a skill that somebody is good at and they're tired of being at the social event or the family reunion and everybody's saying, you should start a company. Mm-hmm. This would be great. So they do. Um, but then the real work begins and they just go see a lot of people, but they're not getting the traction maybe that they thought that they would get. So to answer your question, by and large, they don't know what they don't know. Now, hats off to all the small business owners that are watching. You're doing something, at least I hope that you are, yeah. which is let me at least go get a meeting. Uh, let me talk to all my friends and family and tell them how great my product or service is. Now, the good thing about selling is you can suck at it and win. So that should give everybody great hope. Uh, You know, the more people that you see, the luckier that you get. I just suggest, um, you know, chasing the light bulb that I had uh, when I had this preconceived motion that, you know, sales is no more than just uh, being outgoing and energetic and enthusiastic. And it's so much more than that. Although those soft skills help, that's not selling. And product knowledge alone is not selling. At the end of the day, what we're doing when we sell, we are taking a product and service and we are either uncovering pain that our product or service can fix or we are we are putting that prospect in a greater desired state of pleasure. People move for pain or pleasure. You know this if you're listening. You know this in your own life. Nobody shows up to Planet Fitness and is like, I'm really looking forward to my joints hurting today. <laughs> Nobody. They're either trying to get out of pain or to a better state of pleasure. Mm-hmm. In the essence, that's what we're doing in sales as well. And if your product or service can't do that, your closing ratio is not going to be what you want it to be. Okay. Okay. So let's tear some of this back a little bit. Um, so when we're just starting out, we've got all this knowledge on our on our thing, uh, whatever we're selling. We're selling cupcakes. We're selling websites. We're selling whatever it is, um, and we're good at this thing. And most of the people I'm selling to probably aren't – there's not a lot of, like, actual sales going on. I'm just talking to people that I know, probably. Um, and I feel like you probably are developing some not great habits during that. Um are there things you can do when you're starting? Like, obviously, you're not going to have the, the whole thing figured out. But are there are there any things that I can do at the beginning to set myself up to, to grow later? And by grow, I mean be better adjusted into, in sales, um, grow within the sales category. Obviously, that means my business is growing and all those things. But just to get better at sales, can I do anything right at the beginning, even though I'm just selling to my friends or colleagues or whatever it is. Absolutely. Yes. And I would tell you, even if you never go through uh, one of my sales academies or you never become a sales expert, something that you have to at minimum do is get better at your elevator pitch. Because um, here's what a lot of good sale uh, small business owners do is they network well. Like somebody told them, get around a lot of people, go to the mixer, go join the chamber, uh, go to the event. So they do and they go and they're like, well, what now? Well, think about that scenario, whether you're at uh, a happy hour, a tailgate, a family function, a mixer, a chamber meeting, whatever it might be. What's the number one question that comes up when you meet a new person? So what is it that 
that you do. Mm-hmm. That inevitably comes up. Well, here's what just happened. The sales process just started. Uh-huh. It just began, whether you know it or not. So here, and I'll, I'll give an example from my own company. You know, Brad, you asked me, Jeff, what is it that you do? And I say, you know, we do leadership development training and sales training. Okay. Oh, mm-hmm. wow. That's interesting. I just told you what we do. Mm-hmm. And that's where a lot of small business owners stop. Don't stop there. Perfect an elevator pitch that not only tells people what you do, but how you serve your customers. So the example would be is like you say, Jeff, what is it that you do? And I say, Brad, I'm so glad that you asked. We help a lot of organizations, probably just like yours, increase the sales acumen of small business owners and their teams. The benefit that we bring to the table is that we help small businesses drive top line revenue and profitable growth to increase conversion rates on their new business meetings. Now, I got them thinking about, oh, it's not just sales training. Mm-hmm. And by the way, what is sales training? It's yeah. relative. Yeah. What I told them is, what I do solves a problem. Now the light bulbs are going off and they're like, I need more revenue. I need more profitable growth. I need stronger conversion rates on my stuff. And that's been a problem for me. And you just told me, that you have an answer to my problem. So go that one step further. Um, Even if you don't ever want to become a sales expert, at least answer the question when people ask what you do. Don't just tell them what you do, but tell them how you serve them. What problem are you solving? Okay, that is a great place to start. How do I... How do I get that? How do I figure out what that... Like, how do I make that... A pitch. How do I, um, do I need to practice in front of the mirror? Yes. Okay. Ad nauseum. (laughs) Okay. Like, you know, think of the, if I were to ask you today, uh, right now, Brad, like if you had a go-to song, you were forced to karaoke right now in front of the entire Clearing the Way podcast (laughs) audience, what's your song? Oh, man. <laughs> oh, I don't know. I might go with like a Dave Matthews song. Yeah, I feel right, like we Dave were just Matthews. jamming to Dave Matthews, so I'll, I'll pick that. So think of that one song that you have in your mind. Would you have to, would you need the words? Mm, I don't think so. No. Why? I've probably listened to all of those lo- songs dozens of times. So whatever Tens Dave Matthews song that you would pick, if you told me to karaoke that, it would be a much different outcome. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So my point in this is invest the time to get very, very good at presenting who you are, what you do, and the problem you solve. Now, if you think about this, that little role play I just did, and it was just kind of off the cuff, mm-hmm. that's about a 60-second a a pitch. Mm-hmm. If I were to ask you, like, how long would it take you to memorize a 60-second pitch? Most people would say under 30 minutes. Imagine if you could perfect an elevator pitch so much so that it created so much curiosity that it could increase the amount of appoint- new appointments that you get. And you only had to invest 30 minutes of getting great at it. So look, take small chunks of it. Write your elevator pitch. Put it on an index card. Uh, write it on lipstick, on your mirror, whatever it is that you got to do. And every morning, just say it out loud with passion mm. and with enthusiasm. That's and what you'll one. find is probably after two weeks' time, of just doing it once or twice a day, you'll own it and you'll have it forever. Okay. Um, one of the things I don't, this probably helps. Uh, I had, uh, it was a while ago, Jeremy Wiedenhofer was on um, and he suggested, not for elevator pitchers, but I think it carries over. Um, 
is recording yourself and just figuring out, watching it back and dealing with how uncomfortable that is and um, using that as a way to kind of help improve those things so you can figure out where are these sticking points and um, what words, um, are you saying that a lot yep. within your, yeah. so that might be something to add to it. Yeah, um, and, and you think about the small business, it's usually highly competitive in space, mm-hmm. right? So you have com- you have competitors, and by and large, this isn't always the case, but by and large, you're not coming onto the market with something revolutionary. You're just trying to find small differentiators, branding, marketing, customer service, whatever it is, to gain a competitive advantage. If you're selling your product or service, most times, not all the time, most times that's not going to be uh, the differentiator you need to get the price points that you that you desire. So then you can't talk about, like, I think you might have had a chiropractor on maybe or... Mm-hmm. Uh, we Cliff. Were, yeah. Uh, and I was thinking about this and probably well. Cliff probably does this. But if I were to if Cliff was uh, had a third mic here and I were to ask Cliff, Cliff, what is it that you do? And he says, I'm a chiropractor. I automatically in my mind start thinking about what it is that he does. He makes joints pop. He makes people feel a little more comfortable, whatever it might be. But if Cliff said, I'm a chiropractor and basically I'm in the business of helping uh, people just like you, probably, Jeff, uh, that might be aging. Uh, get more peace in their body, help them sleep and get more uh, a better restful night's sleep and help them have more energy throughout the workday. Now, he quickly picked up who his audience was. Mm-hmm. You know, here's a guy in a sport coat. He's, I mean, look, we're stereotyping people, let's be honest. But it's like probably a business professional has a very long day. How can I quickly assess what his buying motive mm-hmm. might be? When I can do that, then I can make an assumption on what the buying motive is, and I can craft that into my elevator pitch. Yeah. Well, and that also, let me, uh, Cliff Cliff is a uh, physical therapist, so I messed that up too, but um, just to be clear. Um, tomato, tomato. I, I think He's there probably might be killing some, it. I think there might be some, uh, I don't know, I feel like chiropractors can sometimes get a little hate, so I want to be clear on there. There you go. Um, so, um, there, so what's interesting there, um, there's a lot. There's a lot there. Okay, so I've I've got this this thing, this this pitch, um, and one thing I think is probably good to be, uh, you know, a little bit clear on is like when you're starting, you're probably not going to be great. No, you won't. Hmm. Going to be pretty awful. Yes. Um, but the more you practice, the better that's going to get, and you can start to learn from those interactions. You go to a networking event and you have thirty terrible ones. It's like okay, well. Let's assess this. Mm-hmm. Like, what did we do? How can this go better? What am I saying that people are, when are people turning off? When are they engaged? How do I recraft this thing? Yes. Um, so a little bit of reflection on your drive home, like make it simple. On your on your way there, do a little practice. On your drive home, yes. a little assessment. Hey, what's going on? Um, how'd this go? So, so that's all good. Um, and again, practice. That's going to be, that's going to be important. Yeah, polished delivery is important. Yeah, and this comes up almost every episode. But you just mentioned you've you've assessed who you're talking to, and you're making some some um, some judgments there on how to approach that. But that only comes if you know why people are going to be interested in your service. Absolutely, this gets to this gets into like a little R and D, little SWOT analysis. Yeah. 
before you ever go to market um, or, or if you're in market now, like you find a whiteboard and start asking yourself the question, what problems do I solve? Mm-hmm. Um, know what those things are and go beyond just your product. Like if you sell pens, don't tell me that the problem that you solve is that people can write. Like that's not the problem that you're solving, right? <laughs> there has to be a differentiator of what it is that you do, whether it's a customer experience, what is their true buying motive? You know, we could take coffee, for example, like you you have a cup of coffee there from a, a local fine establishment. If I, were, if I were a coffee salesperson, one of the questions I would ask is, why do you drink coffee? Like, isn't that a great question to ask? Because if I start selling you on the caffeine content of my coffee to find out you drink decaf, I'm spent, <laughs> yeah, right? Yeah. And so remember whether, uh, you know, this, these networking events, marketing initiatives that you have, this all this investment that you're doing in SEO, uh, all of these stuff that Brad talks a lot about. That's all to generate interest so that you can have a meeting. Mm -hmm. B2B, by and large, you're selling these because you're having meetings, not because people are walking into your storefront. There's a difference in those two things. All of that is created to get the meeting. So get great at your elevator pitch to get the meeting. Get great at your branding to get the meeting. Get great at marketing to get the meeting. But once you have the meeting, that's where the real work begins. And I will tell you the biggest miss in the meeting is what we just talked about, which is uncovering the buying motive. We go straight into the show up and throw up. Let me tell Mm -hmm. you about my coffee. Look at the beans, smell it, taste it, whatever. We don't even ask, why do you drink coffee? So don't show up and throw up. Get great at discovery. By all means, get great at your elevator pitch. Do all of that. But all of that is to generate the meeting. Mm -hmm. During the meeting, that's where we have the opportunity to attract a new client. And yes, you're going to be horrible at it. I could tell you story after story <laughs> of my uh, blunders in sales. So, okay. So now we're getting into the, we're, we're, we've got our elevator pitch. We're finally making some, uh, we're getting some meetings scheduled. Great. Um, and now we're not talking to the people that we know. Because uh, at this, at the beginning, probably getting a lot of referrals, probably getting a lot of those friends of friends. Those are generally pretty easy. So now we're working with people or trying to work with people that we don't really know. We're into into those first couple meetings where, um, you know, they don't really know anything about me and I don't know anything about them. So this is a real, Mm -hmm. a real meeting now. Mm -hmm. We're in, we're in the big leagues. Um, what do I need to be, how do I prepare for those in a way that is, that sets me up to, for a better chance at success. What do I need to do before the meeting? You talked about the um, a little discovery, some research beforehand, I assume, but mm-hmm. what do we need to do? How do we get better at those right off the get? Well, let's touch on a point that you just made, which being a small business owner, it's maddening. <laughs> and this is that, that when I start this business, if just all my family and friends supported my business, this thing's going to work. Mm-hmm. And you find out real fast, <laughs> they're nowhere to be found. Uh-huh. And it's not because they don't want to see, they don't want to see you win. It's just out of sight, out of mind. Like, did you really think that they were going to huh. buy from you every day? Um, and whether it was our donut shop or our restaurant, it, it, it became maddening. But here, here's what I want to, I want to challenge the listener with is, you're responsible for the rescue mission. 
Like <laughs> nobody's coming to save you. Yeah. And that's why this sales piece, I will tell you, if you're not generating revenue, you're dying. You're dying because mm-hmm. you're inevitably going to lose customers. And typically where the chasm is crossed for small business scaling is, of course, when you start out, you're going to call all your friends and family and you're going to garner all the support that you can. But that gravy train comes to an end. And now you got to go into a complete stranger. And and I hate to break it to you, but you're going to have to sell value. Mm-hmm. You're going to have to uncover their business objectives. You're going to have to uncover their buying motives. And your product or service has to differentiate enough that they're compelled to move forward with you. And, you know, to break this down in the most simple forms that anybody could whiteboard and at least start thinking about, here's the essence of a sales process. As is, should be, barriers, payoff. As is, well, this is your responsibility, small business owner, salesperson. I need to know how it currently is, the current state. Well, how do I do that? I ask great questions. Once I get the answers to these questions, then I've earned the right to go into should be. This is where I present how my product or service can satisfy your as is. I'm going to show you the should be. But inevitably, there's barriers. In sales, we call these objections, right? We're going to get them. This is the barrier. The barrier is best handled in what I call the price of nonconformance. There's a cost to get my pen, but there's a cost to not have it. Yes, you're going to pay to get it, but the bigger cost maybe is not having it based off of your as is. That's how we overcome barriers. And ultimately, we get to the payoff, reminding them that my product or service is going to get you what? Out of pain or into a better desired state of pleasure. Pain or pleasure. I'm moving you from or to. If I can't do that, your buyer is falling into what we call even keel or overconfident. Even keel is K Sarah Sarah. Whatever happens, happens. That's a hard prospect to sell or overconfident, I'm bulletproof, nothing you can say can help. If you don't move people into growth mode or trouble mode, closing them is going to be tough, as is, should be, barriers, payoff. There's a lot that goes into those four steps, but that's the essence of where we're going. Yeah, well, that's is if you can at least have those in mind. You can grow from there. Yeah. Dive deeper, but have that in mind at the beginning. And let me say this, Brad. If you get good at the as is, they'll tell you the rest of the story. Mm -hmm. Like if I ask you, why do you drink coffee? And you say, well, let me start by saying I only drink decaf. Just by asking the one question I now have learned, do not talk about how highly caffeinated our coffee beans Mm -hmm. are. (laughs) Nobody cares. (laughs) Yeah. Nobody cares. Now, I could go to a meeting right after that with Sally and say, why do you drink coffee? And she was like, look, the stuff can taste like tar for all I care, but I need to be alert at 3 p.m. after a big lunch. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Now I know. (laughs) Yeah. Don't talk about the decaf. Same product, maybe. Different buying motive. Yeah. You get great at discovery. You if you do nothing else from this episode, I implore you, find your whiteboard. And just ask yourself this this question. What questions should I be asking that I'm not? Ask great questions. Your prospects will tell you how to sell them. This gets back to the adage of nobody likes to be sold, but everybody likes to buy. Mm -hmm. Let them tell you how to sell them. They will. Yeah, well, and when you're 
when you get good at questions, it doesn't, f- as the recipient of the questions, it feels way less like I'm being sold to. Uh, yeah. And it remo- cause I'm that's a consultant. A, I'm mm-hmm. engaging. Yeah. It removes that, like for small businesses, at least in my experience, everyone hates that. Like, I mean, this is, this is way beyond small businesses. Everyone hates that super salesy thing when you Terrible. show up and it's just, Hey, you look like a Honda guy. Well, what does that mean? <laughs> I literally got that last time I was shot. You it's look like shtick. an Accord guy. What's that mean? What do you mean by that? Yeah. You didn't have an answer. It's yeah. Like, okay. But like, what are we doing here? Yeah. Um, Man, isn't that the truth? So. We do we do that a lot too. Mm-hmm. Unfortunately, we do. And and it, especially in business because, you know, you YouTubed how to be better in sales and bang, that mm-hmm. guy came up and you're like, oh my gosh, it's painful. Yeah. Um, so it can kind of remove getting good at that you're helping solve problems at that point. For sure. Or like you said, problems or better state. Um, Here's a great indicator too, that you're doing this well. If you find in your sales meetings that the prospect or the buyer is saying things like, so Brad, what do you think about this? That's a good indicator that you have reached consultant status because now they trust you. They see you as an expert this is where your product, your product knowledge doesn't even matter until you uncover a buying motive, but have it because now you're going to tie back all your knowledge about your coffee beans mm-hmm. to what's important to them. That matters. That's the key. Yeah. That, that it, it eliminates you from being salesy, quite yeah. frankly. Yeah. Okay. So, okay. So we know about the sales process roughly now when I'm heading into those meetings, do I... I can't just head in blind. Like, I know my product, but um, should I be spending a decent amount of time prepping for each individual client yeah. or potential client? Or, um, yeah, I'll leave it at that for now. And then yeah. I have a couple. Yeah, we call this pre-call planning. It's critical. Um, it sets the tone for the meeting. Uh, it makes you more confident as the salesperson, small business owner. Mm-hmm. It screams professional to the person that you're meeting with. And sometimes what you learn about this uh, buyer or their company is really irrelevant to the sale, but it tells them that you did your homework. Mm-hmm. Now, don't be creepy. Like, yeah. hey, I saw you were at the lake this weekend. Like, no, that's a little overboard, right? Um, it's like, uh, yeah, um, yeah, I did. Uh, but you, we want to have enough information. Really what we're doing is two, two couple things. We're assuming, when we're pre-call planning, we're assuming business objectives and buying motives. For example, if I'm going to sell to my product to um, an industrial company and I Google uh, the company name and I see that uh, they just had uh, a fatality in their workplace due to a forklift accident. Okay, that tells me something. How can I use that information and serve them in that time of loss or liability? How does my product do that? Um, And don't stop at the website, by the way, because I've yet to see bad news on a website. Hey, I just want to let you know, (laughs) front page of the website, we had a death in the the plan. You're never going to see it. But that'll teach you their culture or what they want their culture to be, Mm -hmm. Um, you know, what their values are, community outreach. Now we can tie in likenesses, but Google them and don't just Google them. Hit the Google News. And here's the other thing. If you've identified them as what I call would call a target prospect, meaning you sell them, it changes your life kind of prospect, 
uh, set Google alerts for them so that anytime hmm. news breaks on that prospect, you're getting an email. Now you can, you know, continue to touch base without being annoying yeah. and say, hey, I saw you just won the governor's award for safety. Congratulations. Hey, we should really connect again and talk about how we can take that win and compound it with my product or service. Now you're not the annoying salesperson. Hey, it's me again. Have you made a decision? Hey, mm-hmm. it's me again. Hey, it's me. No, I. so I'm preparing. Well, I'm assuming buying motives and business objectives. When I go into discovery, I'm asking questions to validate what I think is true based off what I learned. And I'm filtering this information into my discussion. So instead of just asking a question, I'm filtering what I know to a follow-up question. For example, hey, Brad, I recently uncovered that you all just acquired two companies in California, which clearly tells me that you're in growth mode. You know, one thing that I find with a lot of companies that are scaling and growing of your size is that as they grow, they lack consistency of policy and procedure. Have you put any safeguards in place that as you grow that you can tighten up that process? Now, what did I just do? I just told them, I researched, I know that you're growing, I'm screaming consultant, Mm -hmm. and I'm presenting a need, we call this disrupting the process, I'm presenting a problem to you that you didn't even know existed, because my product or service can solve the problem. So now this pre-call planning helped me drive them towards a pain point that they didn't even know existed. And even if it's not a pain point, it screams, wow, Hmm. wow, I'm glad you took the time to learn about me. You didn't show up and throw up like every other sales rep that comes into my office. Yeah, well, especially when you're dealing with the smaller, because it is like we covered already. It's something that it's not fun. Like. I didn't start selling cupcakes because I want to sell. I started selling cupcakes because I'm good, good at it. Yeah, because I'm good at it and yes. people like them. Yes. Okay, so if everybody else is – and cupcakes is a bad example, obviously, because it's a <coughs> – I'm selling generally to um, – you guys get it. Um, so, um, okay, so I'm, I'm, I'm in these meetings and I'm, I'm finally experiencing my first um, either objections or – because at this point, I haven't really had to deal with that much. Or either objections or just flat out um, people that are – they're just not interested in my service mm-hmm. or or my product. How can we – that's going to happen. Oh, yeah. It's going to happen a lot. Oh, yeah. How do we get good at, good at dealing with that or how do we get good at dealing with that? Price objections, any of any objections going to come and your number one's going to be price and you already know this, right? And so don't don't go back to the whiteboard and say, Hey, I think we need to lower pricing. Hey, you know, I think we need to, you know, create new packages. Know that everybody's going to object to price. And there's always going to be objections. I would tell you if you're elite in sales, you're gonna get eighteen out of twenty objections. Like if you can close 25% of your meetings, you are a freaking rock star. <laughs> that means you get kicked in the mouth 75%. Yeah. That's huge. Mm-hmm. Like that's victory, right? Yeah. So have okay. perspective on this, that it's coming um, and get good at it because rarely is the objection validated or real. It's an objection to fear of change. Now, here's what mm. I want you really thinking about, about objection. When people object, take ownership of that. 
you should be writing down the common objections that you get. And I will bet you the farm, because I go into these small businesses all the time, Brad, and they're like, man, I just, I'm getting objection after objection after objection. And I'll start asking, tell me them. Tell me what they are. I've never seen anybody get past like eight of them. And I'm like, so you only have eight objections? And it brings some reality to, and, I, and then I'll say, out of those eight, what are the most common ones? These three. So really, let's get good at overcoming three objections. Yeah. yeah. Not a bad idea. And here's the, here's the whole deal with objections. And this is cliche, but it's so true. The best way to handle an objection is a great presentation. If you keep hearing that price is the objection constantly, you need to fix your discovery process and you need to fix your presentation. You need to be asking questions up front on, hey, you know, typically if you find something that can help you drive top line revenue and and guard your profit, is that something that you find yourself typically investing in? Like get them get them thinking about I'm not spending, I'm investing. Mm-hmm. You know, to run on the treadmill, I have to spend. It hurts. There's pain involved, mm-hmm. right? But here is the thing, is there's a cost of not doing it, which is like having your chest cavity opened up to have triple bypass surgery, right, when you're 80. Like, let's just run every day a little bit. Let's Mm -hmm. invest, not spend. Because if I focus too much on the pain of my knees and whatnot, it's not worth it. But if I focus on the price of nonconformance, then it's worth it. This is your responsibility as a business owner to lay this out in the should be phase of the process. When you do that, you're still going to get the price objection. But this is when you remind them with high empathy and clarification of what they've already said. Hey, listen, Brad, I realize that in in this economy, nobody wants to overspend. And I, I can appreciate that empathy. But help me clarify, what is it about the price that concerns you? Now I'm getting the real objection. So ask the clarifying question. What is it about my price that concerns you? Now we're talking about budget. Well, we've never made this kind of a spend before. And then we remind them, what would be the cost of doing nothing? Look, you said, because if we do great at discovery, they've told us what their Mm -hmm. pain is. This is where we help them buy because it's a fear of change. Listen, you said that when you're 80 years old, you want to have a healthy heart. You said that you have a history of heart disease in your family. You said that you would probably spend more on prescription drugs than you would running for 30 minutes a day. So can't you and I both agree that it just makes sense to have a little bit of knee swelling and a little bit of agitation to make sure that none of those things happen? Like we have to help them cross the chasm of change and discomfort because if we did it right early on, we've earned the right to push them into discomfort. And this isn't salesy and shticky at this point. Yeah. You know, well, hey, how about I chop the price 10% and we move forward? Yeah. That's salesy. Yeah. Nobody likes yeah. that. Yeah. yeah. Nobody likes that. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Um, okay. So we know how to kind of work through these objections and we know now that it's like baseball. If I'm hitting, if I'm batting 300, I'm, oh, I'm killing it. Just killing it. Okay. So sales is the same. Great. So we're going to fail. 
It's one of the only jobs outside of being a meteorologist that you can suck <laughs> at it and be very successful. Okay. Like, okay. Take okay. heart. Like it's, it is that. Uh, but get better at it, right? Yeah. Get better at it. Yeah. Okay. Suck less. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> suck less, but you're going to suck at the beginning. Yeah. So just know there's always room for improvement. <laughs> okay. Um, so preparation obviously is important. When I'm starting, how, like, do I need to, how important is it for me to, okay, so I sell whatever this thing is, this this product to small businesses, and I don't really know, I, I'm not good at the, the sales sheets or, or PowerPoints or anything like that. Do I need, how important are those things, or do, that's going to kind of depend on what I'm selling in some cases, but is that something I need to get good at, or do I just need to have something? Like, how important are these things? Man, what a good question. And it's very important. I don't care what you're selling. I've sold tangible products. I've sold intangible services. And so many times, especially the intangibles, they'll tell me, like, I don't have anything to hand them or Mm -hmm. let them trial or, hey, take a drink of the coffee or I don't have that. It's all intangible. You should still have a presentation. Like, I I want you, a matter of fact, I'll I'll say this, and we're not, this isn't a paid sponsorship. If you have yet to see a a Cutco knife presentation, Mm. you should. They're amazing. (laughs) And I know a guy. So reach out to Brad. (laughs) It will teach you so much. Even if you don't buy from this person, it'll teach you so much about a great presentation. I mean, you think about these Cutco knives. Like, I think I bought a pair of scissors that was like $180. (laughs) And it's like, who in the right mind does that? Well, this dude cut through a penny with the scissors. And I'm like, well, if I ever need to cut through a penny, I could, <laughs> right? <laughs> but, but the point is this, is that you're bringing this prospect on a journey. Always remember this. We don't tell. We show. We don't tell. We show. Think about it. Salespeople, it's like the old lawyer joke. How do you know when a salesperson's lying? when their lips are moving. People have a bias <laughs> towards lawyers. They have a bias towards salespeople. Why? Because they've been burnt. Don't be that person. You should have this mindset that I have to prove it. Pictures, videos, testimonials. So look, you could go into a sales call and say, listen, don't take my word for it. Uh, Brad Martin thinks I'm a rock star and you will too. Don't just say it. Prove it. Have a picture in your binder, uh, on your laptop, whatever, of Brad and his quote or a button that you can push. Hey, this is Brad Martin. If you're seeing this video, you're meeting with Jeff. Jeff is actually a rock star like he's telling you. As a matter of fact, when we first met Jeff, we were down 30% year over prior in revenue. And with his sales training, not only were we able to beat the projection, but we were able to exceed it. If you have any questions, I'd love to talk more. Did I just tell you Brad's a fan or did I prove it? You proved it. I proved it. Mm -hmm. This is the same thing with every feature and benefit of your intangible or tangible product. What you're doing in this should-be phase, you're taking your prospect, your buyer, on a journey. This is how you, as a business owner, get out of the sea of sameness. Because if you don't get out of the sea of sameness, your only major differentiator is price. And good luck with that. (laughs) You have to compel people that you are the vendor of choice. 
So the more you show them, not tell them, but show them, whether it's a video, whether it's a demo, whether it's a presentation binder that you build, the more that you can bring them on the buying and, and customer experience, mm-hmm. the better off. If you're, in an, if you're in a business that you have a plant or manufacturing or anything like that, a best case scenario is to have your prospective buyer and client in your building. Like, look, uh, come to my building. I want you to see how clean it is. I want you to see the culture, not hear about it. I want you to feel it. We're different. I don't want to tell you I want to prove it. And lunch is on me. Um, And worst case, if it's a big waste of your time, you got some free sandwiches. Mm -hmm. Like get them in your building if you can, uh, because that talk about a show and tell. Now you can tell the story of your company, why we started. Uh, We don't want to be like every other coffee manufacturer. And now we're engaging them in the experience. And we're not just talking about what we do. But we're talking about who we are and most importantly, how it benefits you. Hmm. Doesn't that seem like the kind of company you'd want to partner with? Yeah. That's it. Yeah. And that's the trial closing question. Yeah. We've earned the right to ask the question. We have to create the experience. Okay. Sorry, guys. That's important. So you got to there. I mean, if you're if you're looking to if you have to create a presentation, like let's say you don't you're you don't have a place to go to or something like that. Like there are free tools out there. You can use Canva, you can get good at Google, uh, Google Slides or something like that. Like Mm -hmm. there are there are easy and free options. Um, And honestly, in both of those, there are really good templates. So you can just kind of plug and play and um, create something that looks professional and doesn't take a ton of time. Yeah. Um, and ask yourself the own pain, your own pain point. What mm-hmm. if I don't? What if I don't? And what if I do? What if I actually do what Jeff is saying and it works? What if I don't and I never know? I'm telling you, I'm giving you advice based off of decades yeah. of, of personal experience yeah. and data that this stuff absolutely works. And we're painting a broad brush today for the sake of the show, yeah. which is why we go into businesses and we get very granular on the strategy and the approach. But this stuff works. Yeah. It works. Um, okay. <laughs> Let's see. What didn't we cover that I have on my list? Uh, if I could add one thing to that. In that presentation, when you are giving the show and tell and you all of a sudden become Vanna White, uh-huh. right? Uh, what I want you really thinking about is no matter what point you're talking about, whether it's a product or a service or whatever, think FAB, the acronym FAB, F-A-B, Feature, Advantage, Benefit. This eliminates the temptation to throw up. Throw up is feature, 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 feature. Let me just tell you about all the features. Features. You know, this pen, it has a cushy thing at the end so your finger doesn't get sore. It clicks so that you don't get any ink on your shirt. You know, feature, 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 feature. Who cares is the question you need to be asking. Advantage A. The advantage of that feature is this, whatever yours is. Mm -hmm. And then we tie it up with the benefit to you. The benefit to you, and it should always be tied back into the buying motive, right? 
So if you tell me you drink coffee for caffeine, I say, look, here's the feature of our product. We have a 10-acre plot in uh, a hillside in in uh, southern America, South America, and the sun comes up in such a way that it gives the highest caffeine content of any coffee bean on planet Earth. Feature. The advantage is when it gets 3 o'clock, I'm going to give you a coffee bean that's going to do more than the one that you have. The benefit is you're going to be more productive throughout the remainder of your day. You're going to be high, higher efficiency, more alert to get the work done that you need. And by the way, it tastes amazing. And then we trial close because we've earned the right. This is engaging them in the process. And I say, Brad, doesn't that seem like a feature that would help you with what you told me earlier? Sure does. I've earned the right. I've earned the right because I understand the as is. I delivered the should be, and I didn't just deliver a feature. Mm-hmm. Delivering a feature is like, hey, our coffee has high ca- caffeine. Yeah. Who cares? The advantage and the benefit, I'm reminding you of what you said, and then I'm trial closing to to open up dialogue. Doesn't that seem like a feature that you would see benefit from, Brad? Yeah, or no, or question, or it's getting me closer to earning the right to closing the sale at the end, and it's not sticky. Yeah, well, and I think what can, like the dumping features, I think obviously it is a it feels like a consequence of not really knowing the full process, but it also, since I'm so deep into whatever it is that I'm selling, it also could be just as simple as I'm expecting that you know what the feature or what this means for you, but they may not. Like we're, if, if you're just delivering features and then I expect that you're going to connect the dots of, okay, more caffeine, that's probably better for me later in the day. And what's that mean? Like, I'm expecting that my recipient of this information is going to connect all these dots and, and make, come to the same conclusion that I am. Because I'm so deep into my product and I, I, this is what I do. It's amazing. It's what I do. Yeah. Um, but help them along the way. Yes. Help them get to that point. Mm-hmm. Uh, help them come to the understanding and, and the to the knowledge that you have. Um, kind of guide them through that, tailored to what they're looking for because of the discovery process. 100%. Um, okay. That's it. That's absolutely it. And if you don't know, like I said, go to the whiteboard and write all the questions down that you should be asking. And you might be like, look, I don't even know. I don't even know where to begin with all that. Here's one question that you can ask that, I mean, it'll uncover tons. Ask them this question. Say, what are you expecting to get out of this meeting today? Like, think of all the scenarios that might play out from that. Yeah. Yeah, that's a good one. I'm here to solve a problem. I'm here to whatever. Yeah. Um, (coughs) Okay. So what we've learned so far is that we need to work on, if nothing else, we need to work on our elevator pitch, practice it in the mirror, make it easy. Do it in the morning while you're getting ready. Just practice it. Um, prepare for your meetings. That's important. Uh, it is actually important to have some type of presentation or sales sheet or something, some form of presentation, whether it's on the computer, whether it's printed out, whether it's bringing people to your shop. It's important. It is. Um and then the peace of mind of knowing that I'm going to fail a lot. And when I'm selling, I'm going to fail a lot. Mm-hmm. And that's fine. And that's totally normal. And it's to be expected, actually. Mm-hmm. Um, 
Is there anything that we haven't covered that small business owners should be aware of in the sales process or in, oh, another very important thing is that discovery. Ask really good questions. Mm -hmm. Ask good questions, and then it removes the element of the salesiness, um, or it helps to remove that. I'm sure you could still screw that up and come off as super salesy, but it'll get you in the right direction. Uh, anything that we haven't covered that people need to be or should should be taking steps to? I would say just a point of encouragement because it can be daunting. Um, sales isn't about personalities. It's, it's not about being an extrovert or introvert. It's not about being the most social or the most unsocial. Sales is a process. And believe me, I learned this mistake the hard way. I thought I'm going to be great at sales because I'm the life of the party and, you know, I'm an extrovert and I don't mind having conversations with strangers. And I learned really quick that I sucked at it <laughs> until I had, to, you know, I learned a process. Yeah. I, I put myself through sales training. So maybe you're listening and you're like, sales just isn't my thing. And you've already created this myth in your head that because you're shy or because you're an introvert that you can't sell. It's not true. Now, look, you may have to push through a little more discomfort. But what I've come to learn in growing businesses, uh, success is all uphill. So you can either have the pain of getting better at this mm -hmm. or you could have the pain of failing in business. Because if you're not growing and the cash register is not ringing, you're not winning. Um, you better have an amazing marketing plan otherwise. Yeah. But even if you do, it still begs the question of how good could you be? So don't let personality get in the way. Just follow a process. Be willing to get a little uncomfortable. But just like anything else, that will fade. Ask good questions. Present value. And be willing to overcome objections. That's really the essence of it. Mm -hmm. Now... Years of practice that go into that. Yeah. But if you have a playbook, you're going to be much further ahead. Yeah, that's a that's a really good point. Because um, like every like anything like we talked about earlier is you kind of don't know what you don't know. So you are kind of you can kind of be wandering around and just like, oh, I'm just not good at sales. Right. It's like, well, that's because you're just spew like you have no idea what's going there's a there is a version of this that can work like mm -hmm. there are versions of this that make it easier or playbooks that make things easier i'm sure there's a ton of different i'm sure people have a ton of different theories on this but there's something you don't have to aimlessly wander you don't mm -hmm. have to do any of those things like listen to this find a resource follow some of these steps and just f you're gonna be bad but follow it like just start Following exactly as whatever this process is, follow it exactly. Yeah, don't do start there. This and this isn't a promo, but get help. Yeah, like I don't care if it's me or not, but get help. Like I need to get better at sales, so I invested in a training course. Like you don't even have to be the expert at it. We talked about this actually before the show, literally mm -hmm. before we went on air. I'm like, man, I wish I wish I was more techie like you, Brad. And Brad's <laughs> exact words were. I'm techie, so you really don't need to be. <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, you know what? Great point, <laughs> yeah. right? You don't have to be a sales expert. Should you get incrementally better at it? Yes. But there are sales experts out there that can mm -hmm. help you customize and build a strategy. But even if you don't want to spend a dime on training or consulting or anything, at minimum, Google it, YouTube it, and create a process that mm -hmm. you can be consistent with. Because yeah. the beauty of consistency, it tells you I'm either on the right track I need to adjust, but be consistent with something. Yeah. 
Well, and if you're going into every meeting kind of just playing it by ear, like, let's wing it today, all of them are going to be different. You're not going to... Learning is going to take you so much longer yes. if you're doing that. Yes. Um, because how? what do you compare? The, this one didn't go well, but the last one did. Well, what was the same? I, nothing. Nothing was the same because I'm not following any process. I'm just kind of heading in there and just figuring it out as I go. Today yeah. is going to be the day. I'm yeah. going to kill it. I'm good. I'm oh, yeah. good on my feet. Or you start blaming your prospects. They're yeah. so dumb. Yeah. They wouldn't know a good deal if they hit them in the yeah. face, yeah. right? Yeah. You can either be justified or you can win. <laughs> yeah. Um, I'd rather win. Yeah. Uh, okay. Anything else before we uh, before we end? I think we've covered a lot of good information for people getting into uh, sales and trying to improve. Yeah. No. I think um, I think this touches the heart of it, the essence of it. Obviously, there's lots of layers. Yeah, there's yeah, there's yeah. novels of uh, libraries of books on the subject and so on and so forth. But it doesn't have to be overwhelming. You know, whatever it is that you're good at, whether it's making the pie or the cupcake or whatever, everybody tells you at every party, wow, that is so good. And what do you tell them? It's so easy. Mm -hmm. That's because you've been doing it so long and you're gifted to do it. You don't have to be natural at selling, but you can get better. Follow the process. Don't overcomplicate it. Don't let sales be the scary boogie monster in the closet. It's not. Uh, incrementally get better. Don't show up and throw up. Ask great questions. Provide value to pain or pleasure. And obviously, if we can uh, offer any level of support in any way, uh, we'd love the opportunity. Where can uh, all the links will be down below? Um, where can all the humans find you? JeffHancher.com. It's Jeff Hancher, like Jolly Rancher, but with an H. <laughs> um, that will be down below. All of the links to social media, those will all be down below. Um, Thank you for coming on. Absolutely. Wonderful as always. And uh, yeah, I mean, this is up to you, Brad, but uh, if there are listeners that want to take part in the February Sales Academy, this we'd love to have them. Yeah, I'll put that link down um, below. And we can maybe create a discount code or whatever it might be. But yeah, if we can help in any way, we're here. We're okay. here for you. That uh, that link will be down below. Um, February, when is that? February 9th, I 22nd believe. 22nd and 3rd. Okay, the one before that. Yep. Is so, okay. Mm -hmm. Um, all right. Awesome. Uh, thanks for coming on. Thanks for listening. See you next time. I'm your host, Bradley Martin, and this is Clearing the Way, a resource for small business owners.